welcome back to another episode of Keone Chats. If this is your first time checking out the show, I welcome you. All episodes are available on all podcast platforms and returning now, they are available on YouTube. And if you like to be in the loop for when I make new episode announcements on social media, you can look for the show by using the handles at KCMedia13 on Instagram and Twitter or X and then at Conluke Media on Facebook. I do have a website where I post uh, not just these episodes, but also other creative content. So I do a couple blog series. It's uh, the DC Animated Review series and then the NFL Mock Drafts. And so you can go to my website. It's keoniconlu.com, K-E-O-N-I-C-O-N-L-U.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see a, a little tag for it in the lower right. So hopefully that's uh, a little easier to look for. And um, so along with those blog series, I do take photos once in a while. So it uh, hasn't been a lot lately, but eh, you know, when I do, I want to, I want to show off that, you know, the talent, I don't want to say talent. <laughs> I won't say I don't have any photography talent, but it's just more like, Oh, this was fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where those can be found. So, as we are recording this, the NFL season has officially wrapped up. Super Bowls are done, and uh, now it's mock draft season. And so uh, if you were kind of tracking the Keone chats or KC Media Instagram and Twitter and or X and Facebook accounts, I did dust off a old show and rebranded it as KCM Sports and uh, the first series I did for that was the all 32 teams roster breakdown, offseason predictions, and then you know the actual season predictions. So it started out with just going through the offense, defense, special teams, and then predicting how the season will go. And then it kind of evolved because the series went into the season um, and it kind of evolved into how the or what I think the teams will do after the season has concluded and where I think they will land if they went to the playoffs. So it was, it was a fun exercise. And so with the mock draft season, uh, like I mentioned that I, I'll probably record those at least the top 10 for now and then release them uh, through that platform. So if you want to listen to me, try and be a sports analyst, you can follow that show by looking up KCM sports. Uh, I believe at least Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcasts, but if there's a, like I've mentioned in the intros for that show, if there is a platform that you use and I'm not on there, let me know. I'll get myself on there because I want to make myself available to you. So, um, so the idea of a part, a, a two time guest. So Adam Basenti is a guest this week. He'll be about the third two timer. Um, so at first I was not really for the idea I guess again, really early on, because a I didn't know really how to, you know, conduct that kind of interview or how that really works. Uh, because I, at my head, I was like, okay, I have to get a update on this person's life from the uh, last episode and on to today. It's like, well, it really once I had that first two time guest with Brandon Shimada and really got to figure out, okay, it's not about catching up with him uh, so much it's just more like some of the things he's done within the last couple of years and so with adam coming back uh so adam and i have had a, a friendship outside of the show so 
it was nice to get him back on the show, talk more about him. And uh, so Adam, he is a part of the Dine tribe and is the tribal affairs director uh, at the Oregon Department of Human Services. And so that I was very interested in in terms of just figuring out like, okay, how the heck does he uh, really separate himself from his separate himself from his work really because i can so i with my work in in the financial field little little spoil on what i do when i'm not recording these um those things there's some bleed over and when i worked at nike there was some bleed over because i love to wear nike outside of work but with adam having his culture be his work that was one thing i was like wait a minute, how does that work? How do you keep those two things separate? So that was kind of the central theme of the episode of just work-life balance and the different times that he has also opened up his culture, his um, himself to other people, not just like myself that's known for years, but just other his other close uh, friend circles. And we talked about his um, involvement with the indigenous people paddle you know him going to different schools like going back to Colorado and then also going to University of Oregon my alma mater uh, to talk more about his work talk more about his people so um, I I just thought it's just it's just all sorts of like whoa how do you that's got to be hard to keep that balance so that was fun to really just dive deeper into and I thank you Adam for telling your story and I thank you for Braving a storm because when we recorded this, uh, we were doing uh, Oregon was experiencing some heavy snow and that also caused some power outages. So in that short gap where I was like, OK, we're good. We're at power. Let's do this interview. Uh, he was a trooper. He made out here, too. So thank you, Adam, again, for your flexibility, your uh, willingness to be on this show and then your openness, really, to uh, just just talk about you. Uh, so. I really hope you guys just just take something out of it. You know, my my guests aren't really super well known. They're they they can be in that you know that big social spotlight, but they also have a great story, and I think Adam has one as well. So, uh, however you are in taking this episode on whichever platform you prefer, or if you are watching this episode on YouTube, I hope you enjoy my chat with Adam Basenti. Well, uh, to say that flexibility is not one of my strong suits would be a strong lie because we had to move this around a couple times, mm-hmm. Mr. Basenti. Uh, thank you for uh, the flexibility and glad we could make this happen. Uh, for the time of this recording, uh, Portland in particular, going through some snow, some ice. Mm-hmm. So earlier today, had some flickers of the light potential going out or power going out. Uh, luckily... Nothing. We're good. We're good. And then good. you're how are you doing that whole because you have a lot of life experience with snow and, you know, the cold <laughs> being a, a Michigan and Coloradian in terms of schooling. Right. But uh, before we get to that, uh, you know, you are a second time guest. You did something the first time that I really appreciated. I actually really admired is that you introduced yourself mm-hmm. in your native your native language. So I want to open the floor up to you. Please tell us, uh, who are you? Sure. 
So I just introduced myself and uh, my mother tongue, Dene Bazad. And so I'm Dene and Red running into the water clan. Yeah, that's my mother's clan. And so I uh, like to start off a lot of my introductions that way, just to uh, honor my, my ancestors, my heritage, my identity. And also to uh, often do that to see who I'm related to. <laughs> and so um, everywhere we go, um, we, we like to introduce ourselves in this way just so that uh, as a formality because uh, it's, it's just our custom. Sure. So. Yep. Now, when you have introduced yourself like that, tell me about the, the latest time you've been surprised that like, oh, we could what? We're related or we have some connections. Uh, if that, you know, if you do have something in mind of the last time that kind of situation happened to you? There's been a variety of situations where I've introduced myself and someone has said, yeah, you're my cousin brother. Oh, you're my uncle. Oh, you're, we're related, right? <laughs> um, I, I feel it's sometimes rare to find another Dene or Navajo person that you're not related to. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are, they are out there. They are out there. <laughs> they are out there. Um, but that's honestly where the beauty of being a tribal indigenous person, especially, mm -hmm. uh, Diné, Navajo, is that, um, the way we introduce ourselves and how we affiliate with our clans, um, it was, it was sort of created so that we will, we, we will not be alone. Right. Mm. And to always have family somewhere. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there there was a lot of um, thinking behind that in the creation of this mm -hmm. long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when you came to Portland and you, you, you did schooling elsewhere, you know, it I feel like it would be easy for you to just say, OK, I found not just a fellow tribesman, you know, the DNA. But just, you know, my people I grew up with college wise, mm -hmm. graduate degree wise, why, why not just stay in Colorado or Michigan where, who knows, you know, where potentially there are more people that do relate to you on a different level than people you may encountered here? It's a good question. I think one of the reasons why I've always moved from where, um, from those places was to seek out more opportunities to mm. seek out um, um, a job, mm. for example. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first left New Mexico, it was certainly for to, to, to pursue an undergraduate degree. When I left Colorado, it was to pursue a graduate degree. When I left Michigan, it was to pursue a job. Mm. <laughs> I mean, my, my, if I would have found a job in Michigan, maybe I would have stayed. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have stayed. Um, I think at that time, I was scouring the nation trying to find you know, a job and uh, after getting a degree in, um, in public policy. It just so happened, though, that uh, – Portland was just a landing space. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I gave it, uh, I took a risk moving out here and it paid off. <laughs> here we are now, 11, yeah. almost 11 years later. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's, I'm, I'm the type of person where I don't like to get too comfortable. Okay. Um, you know, unless there's a good reason for it. 
True. And um, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons to stay where where you are. And right now, where I am, there's just uh, things are working out mm-hmm. professionally and, and and personally. And so um, we'll see how how long this lasts. Yeah, and uh, I guess out of the the three locations that you've been at recently i mean new mexico is the only one that really has warm weather so mm-hmm. you've been in cold twice here in portland you have that the summers where it's like super nice and uh and then you got right now snowstorm winter storm boots up puddles everywhere <laughs> I, you know you you've also been at home i guess within this last calendar year visiting mm-hmm. has there been any sway to you wanting to say you know what i miss home i just want to go back home Uh, maybe maybe the decision to be in portland is run its course and time to you know head back being being home and and seeing uh my parents a little bit older seeing nieces and nephews certainly more grown um you know the lifestyle is different Mm -hmm. and i think that's where um the lifestyle that i've chosen now and and Living here in the Pacific Northwest is just so different from the Southwest. Um, that th- the thought did cross my mind, but um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it back there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the back of my mind. Oh, you know? uh, but yeah. So that I feel like when I was in college in Eugene, just two hours south of us, um, it was definitely the it was nice to go home, but then it was also nice to just go back to my own personal life I've developed mm-hmm. and built there. Now, um, you know, you've, you, you're in the government, you're in mm-hmm. for the whole, whole shebang and bang of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, I want to dive into your job, but it's just like, just, just saying that you work for the, the government yeah. and you are helping your fellow people. How mm-hmm. does that feel? It feels great. I mean, it feels like it's um, a part of my obligation, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like it's a calling. Um, you know, as a, as a tribal indigenous person, you always are looking out uh, for the community, for the betterment of the people. And, and so I'm fortunate to have worked and, and, and still working in the position I am with the state of Oregon. And um, I just feel it is... Uh, yeah, a blessing mm-hmm. to have that opportunity to be able to um, give back and to be able to help um, your own people, even though we might be from different tribes. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a there's so many similarities, mm-hmm. and um, I, I feel where it can be challenging though is that working for state government, but mm-hmm. also being a native person. You're you're in a, you're often put in a tough situation where <laughs> you're representing. A government or an institution that has caused harm to mm-hmm. Native people. Yeah. And um, at the same time, though, that's where being within state government, working on that side, you can be able to um, repair and 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 really try to address some of um, those pieces that have caused harm with that that the institution has caused harm. Mm. You know, kind of working from the the inside out. I was going to ask that because. I feel like you announced this to your family, your friends, like, "Hey, I got a job in the the Oregon government." Mm-hmm. I someone has to have said, "Like, you gotta, you know, disrupt the system from the inside out. You gotta, you know, break the man down." <laughs> did you, did you uh, encounter much of that kind of talk? 
Yeah, maybe it wasn't so much in my for my family, I would say, but more from friends, yeah. <laughs> for from uh, you know, yeah, other native friends and native colleagues uh, across the state and 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 across the you know that I've kept in touch across the nation, mm. and you know, I think from for the family, it was just more of you know, continue to honor who you are and honor our people, you know, by working in this position, mm-hmm. and for friends, you know, they kind of joked around. <laughs> In regards to you're now crossing over to the dark side. Yeah, there's also that. There's also that. <laughs> you, you sold know, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, yes, there has there was some some advice around you know infiltration. You mm. know of being able to in order to change things and how things work. You know, working from the inside out or working within the institution. Mm-hmm. You know, and being able to change what's happening there could alter or shift. Um, in a way where how and and how tribal people are served, or mm-hmm. or to be able to finally reconcile um, what has happened and and really reconcile the past, but you know it's it's that's going to take decades, right? Yeah, um, it's going to take yeah. a long time. I've only been in my position four and a half years, <laughs> going to be five in April. Sure. Um, and so I've I've done I've I've done a considerable amount, but um, only you know made a dent in in this particular field. And yeah, I I feel like it's it's like you're chipping away at a giant block. Yeah, you know you you got to play that long persistent game, and then eventually it'll all break. But when when you did jump in, now. So example is like so with my work, it, you know, before I started, my mom looked at the team page. She's like, "Oh, Keone, I know you're very flamboyant in mm-hmm. terms of your floral, your floral shirts, your personality. All these folks look very conservative. I don't know if you'll mm-hmm. you know, be able to do that." Now, did you, was there any worry about, you know, conforming to to your work environment, your new work environment? I think mainly, particularly, it's you know, hair is such an important thing mm-hmm. for you know indigenous people. Um, I remember interviewing one guy who had in high school was like short haired, but he grew it out so long, and he just yeah. did all his research on long hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I really didn't know there was a lot of. I had an idea, but for for you, kind of keeping finding that. How did you find that nice medium ground of like still being you, still being representing your your tribe? And also being able to work for the man. You know, I, I think approaching that, I've I've learned over the years, just in multiple jobs and positions, about professionalism and 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 some of those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I've ever pushed those boundaries, and I think I I carry myself well enough to to always appear or be perceived as professional, mm-hmm. you know, going into this position, I don't think it, there was any sort of question or any concern around that. Sure. When I started the job, I had short hair. <laughs> yeah. <And> so <laughs> now that I'm in this job, you know, I have longer hair, but yeah. I, I feel my agency has supported me in that. Yeah. I, I think where, when, when we talk about this, you know, the word authenticity comes up mm-hmm. for me. And, um, I think where it may be of more concern is is when you talk about your own beliefs, mm. your value systems, uh, how you approach issues, what you talk about, how you talk about things. Um, I think those are thing much more, uh, I guess, could be controversial yeah. in, in some ways or appear that way. You know, I, I don't think it was me conforming to anything. Yeah. 
I will say it was more of, well, how do I also maintain my sense of identity and not just be a state figurehead, yep. you know, to be in the position yep. and just just sort of do what is necessary and not really go above and beyond mm-hmm. and 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 also hold back maybe or even maybe uh, don't not working too hard or <laughs> <laughs> or or even, you know, pushing up against the. I, I guess uh, leader against leadership, right? Mm-hmm. In in terms of um, or questioning leadership in a lot of ways. Mm. So, I think that's where um, you know I, I've tried to 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 observe and kind of understand the political balances um, and the environments that I work in to where how can I get things done without necessarily being radical, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I'll, I I will say you know having a radical spirit is is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how do you translate that into action? How do you speak to people? How do you talk about issues or challenges? I think that's where um, I've gotten a little bit better in terms of approaching it through a diplomatic way mm-hmm. and to be able to talk about the why and the mm-hmm. purposes. Because um, I, I know I know a lot of people, right, that are, are very, um, can, can come off as, as radical and, and really talk about um, issues in a way where it's pointing fingers mm-hmm. or it is blaming others or, you know, in a sense, um, it's, you know, looking to, to, to other... Uh, other other persons, yeah. you know, in terms yeah. of like you caused it and all that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I think there there if you look at history, yes, there is a lot of connection to, you know, colonization and how it has created the conditions we see today, especially in Indian country. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, how do we now deal with that? Is is really. It varies across the board, but myself, right, coming into this position, how do I have those tough conversations? How do I not just dance around the issue, though, too? Because yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel, I feel like we're in a moment. And when we last talked in twenty twenty, <laughs> yeah, we we've talked then we've casually, talked, but yeah. not to this kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. So. We talked about you know there's a huge racial reckoning, yeah. right, where everyone at that point, well, maybe. For the most part, the whole country was talking about race and yes. racism and yes. institutional racism, how it was impacting everyone. And and that's been happening to, to Native people for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I don't know where I was going with this, but I, I think <laughs> <laughs> let's. Uh, OK, so let me let me kind of backtrack a little bit. So, yeah. You're, you know, you talk about radical. Yes, I did want to link it to our last conversation where a good chunk of it was talked about your involvement mm-hmm. in you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and also yeah. just, you know, showing support for your community. Uh, but I just, I'm more curious, like how because when I talk with someone that mm-hmm. I could tell things are getting a little heated, I could tell yep. things are kind of ramping up. I luckily like sometimes it's over the phone. I have to mute myself because I'm like, Grr! God damn it. <laughs> but how do you, like, how has your handling of difficult people transformed from early on in your career to right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a good question. And it's taken a lot of maturity. Yeah. Um, you know, that some people are able to gain right away and some people it just takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think in my early 20s, when I looked at this issue of, of race, racism, even colorism, right, mm-hmm. um, there were times where 
I, I, I disrespected other, um, my own people because mm-hmm. of their, the color of their skin, you know, appearing lighter. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I learned early on just around, you know, that's, that's because of colonization and how history has played out, you know, we're, we're not all the same color. Right. And, and so I think there were a lot of lessons in my early 20s that really made me think twice about how do I approach this this topic, um, and, and and especially with my own people, you know, because lateral oppression mm-hmm. is is real when it comes to every community of color, every every tribe, you know, where you know your own community, you can cause harm to each other, right? It's like crabs in a barrel; mm-hmm. you can just fight amongst each other and. You you will never get anywhere because you're just always um, stuck on on fighting each other. But if you move beyond that of, of you know trying to create solidarity, trying to create connection, relationship, repairing relationship, you know trying to um, move towards solidarity, I think you can be able to to create a movement. And so I think this is that's where in my early twenties learning about that. And also trying to channel my anger and frustration into like action. Yeah. Okay. Now that I've understood or or realize how history has played out and what has happened to us, um, you know, there was times where I got angry, I was frustrated. I just yeah. I kind of wanted to be yeah. a radical, right? And yeah. there was a lot of protests that I did in my twenties. Um, but now that I've getting got into my 30s and 40s, I find my um, now 40. <laughs> I'm in a position, uh, or or have been in positions where I can be able to think about ways of creating change through policies, through mm. programs, through advocacy, yeah. through um, you know relationship building, networking, helping each other. You know, I, I think that's where I'm trying to be much more constructive sure. in, yeah. in, in what that fight or activism can look like. You know? Yeah. And I think when it comes to how I handle like difficult situations, looking back on it, like there are times where I randomly think about it wasn't like a difficult situation, but it's more like I'm in front of people yeah. and obviously I don't have the ability to talk the way I do with a microphone or in front yeah. of people. But it's like, hmm. You know, if I had only thought out what I was saying, maybe I'm not as funny as I thought. Maybe I don't need to be as serious. Um, that definitely runs through my head a lot. You yeah. know. And then with you also being in the public eye, in terms of just your work and also you've also gone to some panels or you've been a part of some panels mm-hmm. with the University of Oregon and Colorado. How much does that also factor into how you – uh, you know, handle difficult situations because it's, I mean, nowadays everyone can pull out a camera and mm-hmm. record you and it's, it's easy to, I mean, you're not incriminating yourself because you're on a podcast. You have cameras ever, well, maybe you are, I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where I guess, yeah, just how often do you think about like, you know, how you handle something and then, you know, how much, how many times have you like, I guess, you know, think about in hindsight, that's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. in terms of just, yeah, maybe it wasn't just like the difficult situation. Maybe it's just like, you know, the, the panel at university of Oregon, where you talked about the tribal engagement toolkit, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, do you ever think about like, you know, I didn't like the way I said that word. That's going to bug me for a while. Are you nitpicky at all like that? Mm, yes and no. I, I think it's just a matter of how do you relay the content? Mm-hmm. Um, and information 
or history um, to the people, right, yep. to where they get it. And I think that's where I'm continuing to really assess how can I reach my audience or sure. reach the people that I'm training or those um, those that are listening to the panel or being or in the audience in some way. I think that's where I'm trying to tweak how I go about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's I, I've tried to find much more. Um, I've tried to find like exercises or um, use maybe like storytelling mm-hmm. ways. Uh, those those methods to be able to um, relay information and and just to get to the hearts and minds of people. Yeah. Right. You know, because I, 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 I try not to just go up there and speak to you, right? I, I want to connect with folks. I want to. You're cool. You're cool, to, cool. You're cool, dude. You know, want to <laughs> present information, though. You know, I don't yeah. want to lecture, right? Yeah. You know, and I don't want to give a lecture to people. Yeah. You know, and I think it's easier in those spaces. I, I think where you find it much more challenging is on the street. Uh, in, you know, in, um, a bar or in wherever, you know, outside academic institutions. Cause I think, you know, you have sort of a, uh, sort of, uh, sort of rules in a sense, um, and sort of a comfortable setting within the academic, you know, or, or panel settings. But when you get out of, you know, those institutions, you get out in the street or something, you talk to someone about what we're talking about, you know, I think that's where, tensions can flare that's where people get reactive mm-hmm. you know i experienced something recently um in northeast portland at a bar I was with some friends and i had someone um you know a, a a white woman come up to me and i was wearing like some jewelry you sure. know some native jewelry yeah. and try to like touch my jewelry and mm. and she wanted to admire it but she wanted to touch it as well and, you know, I think for most people, you have a bubble, right? You, ha- you need like, hey, it's my space. This is my stuff, too. Yeah. And yeah. so she was trying to do that. And so how do you ha- tell someone that, too? Because also I'm, I'm a big believer in energy. And so, you know, when people touch you and, you know, around you, that, that shares a certain energy. And so I just it was very weird mm-hmm. that, that that happened. And I just try to say, hey, don't touch without asking. And uh, yes, thank you so much. But just yeah. please, you know, this is my personal space. Sure. And you know, But she wanted to touch and admire it and all that. Hmm. Not That was the first incident that happened, the sex incident that happened that night where this all happened one night in one night wow someone when i was talking to my friends pulled my hair and I said, oh my god oh my god you you have a rat tail and i was like are you serious i had a braid on huh. i had a braid on my back and she's like oh my gosh and she was just you know i think she was intoxicated or something like that but uh, these know, two situations these are two like different situations two different intoxication people. is probably yeah, probably yeah um, but still but still. but still you know these are moments where again you know i i think in those moments i i in, didn't engage and there was there was no way to have sort of a constructive conversation no. but i think it just gives you um, an idea just about you know these conversations can be harder when something happens to you. I mean, we're talking yeah. about like, you know, discrimination, writing. I mean, like that, that, you know, touching myself, that's a part of my body there, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and, and she just, yeah, was, um, cause if it, it would be different if it's like my brother or I kind of like right. joking with you. Right. And, right. you know, curious. Talking it's like stranger here. You were strangers. Stranger. Yeah. And, um, cause 
I, I like to imagine myself and obviously the one of the points of this podcast is just to like put myself in your shoes. Yeah. How would I react? One of those is like a I feel like I would just get infuriated. Yes. And um, you know, B, it's like I, I'll need a cool down period and C give me some ice cream. So some some yeah, yeah it's like I need something to kind of distract me from what just happened. Mm-hmm. So when it came to you know, those situations that you had, and you know, Portland does have that kind of reputation of mm-hmm. being a, a you know, city with racism, but it's not like overt like the South, but it's yeah. it's there. How how did you calm yourself down? How did you kind of get yourself back into Adam mode? It took a while. Yeah, it took a while, especially the hair pulling thing, and so that's that's far. Yeah, that's too far. That that is too. Yeah, it's it's happened to me a couple times in my life, and yeah. where people just oh, I want to touch your hair, and so that's again where you talk about people's lack of education and awareness around the the sacredness of your hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a body part, and and um, it's not something that you know for you to pull or play with, right? And so um, without consent. Without yeah, without without consent and and yeah, so and a lot of the people that come up to me admire my jewelry too, just kind of touch it without saying, "Hey, can I touch this?" You mm-hmm. know, again, so the consent sometimes is there, more than likely not. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the kind of education and awareness that I also feel is 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 just missing, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just general conduct. Yeah, you know, and 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 um, just. Uh, Etiquette, and I'm, I'm yeah. looking for another word for it. Manners? Manners, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Manners. <laughs> My just... mom always joked. She's like, you got to make sure your manners are good because then someone's going to say, "Your what did your mother teach you? Right. Obviously, she's looking out for herself. I'm just kidding, mom. But, yeah, that's one of those that always rings in my head. It's yeah. like, I want to make sure my polite, respectful. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, but I think for for hair, for Native yeah. people, hair. And there's some other cultures out there, too, where they, you know, the hair is, like, sacred. It's really important yeah. to them. And so that, that was a big one. And, yeah, it took me a while. I think I was still trying to calm down after <laughs> that, that whole night. It, it didn't ruin the night. Uh, it just, just put a little damper in it. That's yeah. all. Yeah, extra extra drink to help loosen things up a little bit. You're good. Um, and then yeah, you know, kind of on that same lines of you know education, uh, is that you know whether you know the UO. I think when you posted about that, you went to University of Oregon. I'm an alumni, and then when I I did look through your slide deck too, that was mm. a lot of pieces to kind of take in. Uh, but the main theme of it was just tribal engagement toolkit. When yeah. you had that, what was kind of like your mindset going in? Because you know, I don't really. I when I went to school there, mm-hmm. I don't really. I didn't really encounter a whole lot of indigenous people there. Mm-hmm. So, um, did did you like? What was kind of your expectations going into it? You know, I try not to have expectations with something yeah. like that. Sure. You know, or or assumptions. Um, I, I just go out there and present the information and try to just connect with the audience. You yeah. know, so that. At that specific um, presentation, it was during an intellectual and development of disabilities conference, hmm. and and you know coming into this, I, I figured a lot of folks probably weren't aware of tribal engagement or how to engage with tribes or tribal families, mm-hmm. and so I just kept it simple, tried to provide as much detail, and certainly um, have it be open in terms of you know having questions or yep. your dialogue and whatnot. And so, yeah. um, yeah, I, I just try to keep it very simple with, with, uh, the youth, 
With yeah, well, you know, I think there was a mix. It was uh, a mix. It wasn't okay. all students there. Okay. There were some students that were there. Um, but I I feel like I, I just try to be thorough enough to where folks leave with at least a decent understanding of what tribal engagement is yeah. and how to engage with tribes and you know, when we talk about those manners or ways of um respecting um different forms of communication when it comes to tribal people i think that's where um i feel i can be able to offer something you Mm -hmm. know offer insight information so that you know the next time you do come across a tribal person or or native family you can be able to use some of those uh tips that i offered and and um you know pieces of information you know which which are not mine they're based a lot on my own experiences, where I've worked, um, a lot of different, um, you know, native scholars out there as well. There's, there's so many ways of, there's so much information out there. I mm-hmm. think what I just try to do is, is share that and share and attach it to a lot of my experiences working with tribes and serving tribal families. You know, as someone that went to UO and I'm just like, I'm always going to be a little biased, like, oh, it's UO, Adam's there, this is cool. He's going to have so much engagement. He's going to just meet so many people. But in reality, it's it's still college kids. You know, they're gonna take in as much as they can. But you know, I I think the fact that you're you were there, you presented what you need to present. Yeah. You you made your you you threw your information out there. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot again of the audience were um, folks that worked in intellectual development yes. of disabilities, and so yeah. you know, which was good. Um, had a lot of uh, follow up questions just about how can we learn more, how do we mm-hmm. engage with the tribes that are in our area, because there was a lot of folks that were from different parts of the state attending mm-hmm. that conference. So, along with the introduction of in the DNA language, um, what is another kind of greeting that? you would want people to know about when it comes to interacting, let's say with you? Um, a general greeting is, yate, you know, is yate. just hello. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a general greeting. You know, yeah. I think that's one that's often um, <laughs> shared. Yeah. Uh, um, you see it, you see it on TV now and movies, native movies and all that. And so, yeah, I think that's something that we, we, we like to share, you know, handshake mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know those sort of things. So you're a hugger too. Keeping it simple. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. get it. Give me embrace you for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sharing good energy with with people is is, is nice because, you know, the one thing that um, I've I've witnessed too, just across the world, and I've been fortunate enough to be, uh, in places and experience some things that I've seen other indigenous cultures do. You mm-hmm. know, in terms of like the Maori. You know, where they you know, clutch each other and they have, uh, you know, they're taking each other's energy face to face. They kind of mm-hmm. touch noses mm-hmm. and kind of breathe in your energy and mm-hmm. breathe in, you know, your, your spirit there as well. I mean, that, that's, that's one of the greetings there. And mm-hmm. so it, it was just pretty powerful, you know, mm-hmm. in, in regards to, you know, an indigenous people, but it's, it's also makes so much sense in regard. And when we're thinking about, saying hello or connecting that that's a deep connection right yeah. there and so yeah, yeah i really admire admire that nice uh so this past summer my partner and i we went to the it's an aztec festival uh and that was in downtown beaverton area so it's obviously different cultures but uh you know i think one thing I, i'm just curious about with you it's like growing up with all of this history and all of this culture what was that like 
because uh, and not just that it's like the way you are as a person of being like you know you want it, you're out there protesting and you're out there during covid you're risking your life to help support the message and then on a, on a more personal level it's like you you want to be you're so friendly and then you're everywhere anytime we say hey let's i mean i will okay i'll put this on record you asked me if i want to watch a blue beetle I did not respond, so <laughs> I I feel bad. But you're you're the kind of guy that does want to go do things with other people. You're very much mm-hmm. a people person. What, what was it like growing up? Well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is where I my experience because I grew up in in a, in a town right? yeah. in Gallup. It's it's not the reservation. It's on the border of the Navajo reservation. Uh, but a lot, my my grandma and and had a lot of relatives, of course, that lived on the reservation, and so there was there was a bit of emphasis on on both sort of cultures and lifestyles, meaning like Western culture, mm-hmm. which is like pushed by my mom, you know, in regards to getting an education, focusing on school, yeah. you know, doing that piece, and then my dad, he's he's the more traditional one, which made sure I was connected to my culture, went through ceremonies. Also had cattle growing up, so you know did that a lot of the times on Saturday mornings, you know, and and I think just learning a lot from from both sides. Um, I mean, especially my 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 Dene side, you know, being mm-hmm. relational. You know, when when you, when you talk about a friendly person, you know, and and I'm always like inviting folks. I think that's where I always like being around people. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I feed off that energy. I'm I'm relational. We're just relational people. It's not mm. just my tribe either. That that's all like native people, indigenous people and, and tribes across the nation. They're very much relational and want to to be able to share that with others. It's about the collective. And I yeah. and I feel like it's 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 inherent. Yeah. Um and, and I think this is where you know, I, I really appreciate that about my side. Um, because I also do see the the differences within like Western culture in terms of it being individual, it being you know um, every man for himself, right? True. And and True. and so try, you know, really, I, I I don't gravitate towards that, uh, you know, and and I'm 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 happy about that, and mm-hmm. it's not that it's wrong or anything like that. I think there's just different sets of values and perspectives. So I I think that's one of the things that I. I picked up mm-hmm. naturally and you know of course growing up you know you learn about who you are you learn about your identity you learn about you know your traditions and customs and practices and you you learn that it's important you need to learn these things so that you can pass that down mm-hmm. to your kids or pass that down to you know, your, your family members. So it, it continues to persist because I, I feel what our ancestors fought for learning about like the long walk, which is when our, our Navajo people or Dene people uh, basically were sentenced to, to prison. Um, they had to walk about 300 miles to Bosque Redondo in New Mexico and were, were in basically in this prison camp for four years. Mm-hmm. And, and probably half the people survive that um those uh, there was i'm not sure what the numbers were but 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 only half came back Mm -hmm. you know after after four years and they were sent sent back to to live in our traditional lands you know it's things like that it's stories like that that really instill in you a sense of of pride a sense of um purpose and and knowing that um 
you know, what I'm carrying in my blood and in, in my experiences and, and things that I've learned, you know, is, is to, is things that my ancestors have, have given to us and have gifted us. And so that we, it carries on. And so, you know, just being able to share that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think being a, being generous, you know, sharing what we know, um, not, not everything. There are certain things that are, are sacred, right. Yeah. And ceremonies yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but but I think that that's a big part of who we are um, yeah. is to be able to, to to share with others and be a generous person. Yeah, and I mean that's a perfect segue to some of the one of the first things that I put on the list uh, I want to talk with you about is that uh, you know in October tenth, twenty twenty, you did create this uh, event called the Indigenous People Paddle, uh, and it's on it's to celebrate the Indigenous People Day, uh, and I remember going to one and obviously. Not knowing what to expect, I was like, "Oh, okay." I was thinking, "A, it's a warm day, and then uh, it was dry too." So I was like, "Okay, the sand's gonna be nice and soft." Psych. And then uh, I was like, "Okay, it's not windy. I'm I'm fine." And then psych, it was windy again. So it was a lot of things I did not expect in terms of just like the basics. But when it came to just seeing everyone gravitate to support you, support you know, your people and, uh, also your big paddler in the community. So, you know, you had that whole, that whole flock coming after you too. Um, and then I just remember, uh, one of your elder tribesmen did a ceremony in the beginning and I was trying to like, you know, capture some moments and, mm-hmm. you know, record. And, you know, they asked me to, to stop recording that because they want to keep it sacred Mm -hmm. but in terms of just the the indigenous people paddle how did that all come about you know it was it didn't it wasn't a selfish move whatsoever right it's not about when it with that for that event it's not about me Mm -hmm. it's it's more of honoring the land and the water Mm -hmm. i think first first and foremost yes um you know indigenous people's day as you know is is to celebrate um indigenous people Mm -hmm. culture Uh, life, um, traditions, um, perseverance, resilience, and and so thinking, how can I um, offer something like that for the for the paddling community? Because yeah. there is um, quite a few paddlers right here yeah. in Portland, yeah. here in Seattle, Vancouver, BC, Pacific Northwest, all the way down, of course, to California, and and you know, learning about paddling um through so many different people you know and 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 especially through like hawaiians and polynesians Mm -hmm. you know it is it is a part of their culture right it's not paddling is not a part of my culture whatsoever um and and so i've always taken a a point to 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 say that Mm -hmm. and to, to also um still try to respect it Mm -hmm. and um be able to um, really um, show appreciation for it, and and I think where uh, often I've I've been able to sort of intersect with my personality or my my own beliefs and my traditions is is to be able to care for to look to the land right look to to the water that we paddle on because it's a gift for us to be able to paddle right it's it's a it's an opportunity to certainly exercise but also connect to the water yeah. you know connect yeah. we feel the water is is a being right it has spirit in it and so does the land and so I think given the history of the country and where we are 
you know, what better way to sort of bring people together, not just for the sake of paddling, but mm-hmm. to honor the land, you know, honor and, and do something that is on a much deeper level. Um, because I, I feel sometimes um, it's not always it's not always automatic where mm-hmm. the land is is honored or um, appreciated and same same for the water and so that indigenous people's paddle was set up to be able to do that um you know honor the land and the water uh, but also to be able to share relationship and connection with each other and to be able to support each other you know because it's not about racing it's not about you know medals or getting first place or anything like that it's just about being able to um, come together you know be in each other's company enjoy each other's company you know connection um, a lot of the Hawaiians, you know, use the word ohana, you mm-hmm. know, family, you know. So very, very similar values, too, with, with indigenous tribes in this area here. And so that that's really what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember you saying, like, before your elder tribesmen, you know, did the ceremony, that, like, doesn't matter how far you paddle, doesn't matter how long you paddle, just be out there, enjoy it. And at that time, again, I didn't have a boat to paddle on, but it's like I was there because a yeah former paddler and i I do feel a sense of like not just the fact that it's a a perspective that not everyone gets but like b it's like it's something special about Mm -hmm. being out there whether it's on a a cold day dark like what we have right now or whether it's on like the most beautiful sunshine day in portland yeah it's still nice to just you know take all that fresh air and you know feel recharged what Mm -hmm. what do you usually feel when you're when you're out there and like, you know, take indigenous people, they people pile out of the equation, just like, cause you, you're out there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, my escape. It's, yeah. um, it's a way for me to just, yeah, connect with the, with, with mother earth and, and with the water, you know, I mean, it is, uh, it helps to refresh and, you know, my spirit helps me to also strengthen my spirit and, you know, it's, strengthen myself physically Mm -hmm. uh, but also mentally i I feel like it is um really an exercise that is is holistic Mm, you know and that's that's the way i see it in terms of those benefits there um and and it's really gives me a sense of freedom right when, when i'm out there and 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 really um, allows me just to clear my mind mm. and just to be on the water. And so there's there's just something about being able to connect with the water is is so um, enlightening in a lot of ways, you know, spiritually, mentally, yeah. physically, emotionally, all those things. Yeah. So um, I don't want to give away your license plate, but if, you know, you, you spend time with Adam and you're like, I wonder if it's here, you'll see a giant, like, outrigger one-person boat rack on top of your car, <laughs> like, Found him. Yep. There he is. <laughs> yeah, you can always tell who the, like the uh, the hardcore paddlers are when you see a yeah. rack like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I I do again. I just have so many. Like I think just I'm trying to go with this. Your work is just so interesting in terms of just like how much you have to invest yourself into it in terms of not just the fact that it's a paying job that's helping you have a, a home a car food on the fridge um but again it's also your culture your people so i will I, I mean you made a big swing and you you knocked out of the park on january 13th with the indian child welfare act which for those that are not sure what that is that's basically an act that allows uh, Native children to be adopted into non-Native homes. Is that right? 
Uh, Am I wrong? Exactly. Dang it. It's it's actually (laughs) preventing. Oh, preventing. Oh, okay. Preventing native children from being adopted by non-native families. It's. I got that mixed up. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's like I thought I had. I thought I had this down, but. Yeah, I'll learn. (laughs) You know, I think another way to frame it is to be able to keep native families together. Perfect. And okay. to ensure that uh, Native children grow up with their culture, mm-hmm. you know, grow up in their community and grow up connected, yeah, to, to their tribal identity. Yeah. Talk about that whole process of just, A, getting into the project and then, B, you know, getting that 7-2 vote. That, that one was correct, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's – that's we're talking about the, the National – Indian, uh, Indian Child Welfare Act yes. that was voted on um, by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this past year, um, and there, it was really um, so that national um, piece of legislation, legislation, the federal legislation was was first uh, adopted in 1968, and that was to address the disproportionate amount of tribal children that were being adopted out by by um, non-native homes being adopted out of their communities and so at at that time it was seen that native children were being stolen stolen mm. from native families stolen from the community stolen from the tribe okay and then so you had leaders that came together tribes that came together to be able to put together a piece of legislation that would address you know that that epidemic essentially mm-hmm. back then and over the course of the last probably 40 years, 50 years, um, 40 years, um, the Indian Child Welfare Act continues to be challenged. Mm-hmm. And it continues to be challenged um, for a number of reasons. And, and one of them being that um, folks don't realize or don't want to see um, tribes as sovereign nations, mm. you know, and being able to have this this preference, right? This special status. People like to say that tribal people have a special status or mm. they get special treatment, but but a lot of the the legislation in ICWA is is based on tribes being sovereign nations and sovereign nations. They tribes are inherent. They have that inherent status, and that's recognized in the Constitution. So, you know, it's it. Tribal people and tribes are not just another community of color, mm-hmm. and so um, that's that's one of the reasons why. You know, and I, and I feel one of the other main areas of of why people challenge the Indian Child Welfare Act um, is that if the opposition is able to um, deconstruct and really disassemble that whole piece of legislation, that sovereignty that's tied to tribes uh, would be delegitimized. Mm. And so sovereignty in the other areas, um, how tribes exercise sovereignty is is economically, right, Mm. Or, or through natural resources. So if ICWA did not um, go the way it did, you know, again, there there would be opponents that would say, well, tribes, you're not really sovereign to run this business. Mm. You're not really sovereign to take care of these lands. And so that's where you see, um, I, I feel, where the 
what was happening in colonization in terms of the land grab, in terms of natural resources and, and how things were being taken and stolen away from Native people, that, that was, that's basically what could happen and could still happen too, yeah. where uh, corporations, uh, businesses can say, tribes, you're not sovereign. You don't have this status. You're, you're, you're not an autonomous nation anymore because mm. of this ICWA is no longer, um, it was voted down. And, and so that's where um, really one of the areas that is a huge concern. And so there's uh, there's, there's people that talk about this in a much more <laughs> uh, concise and I think thorough way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really that is a scary thing to where if if the the if the Indian Child Welfare Act wasn't upheld, it would have um, really created a shock wave through Indian country and have impacted tribal sovereignty yeah. to where that would have impacted how tribes are seen, how tribes are uh, treated, mm-hmm. um, and, and so and I think that's where folks would have then went after tribes mm-hmm. and who knows what would have happened you know and so and i and i think it's 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 still it's probably these fights are not over you know you're probably still going to see the indian child welfare act being challenged you know and and it's unfortunate because um you know this is to to stop um removing tribal children and and to be able to ensure that tribal kids again are raised with their families with the tribal culture yeah you know and I, i i don't know uh, why folks don't want to see that happen. Um, I'm sure we can all imagine. Yeah. Um, we can always think about something that, that is, that, that is going to answer that question. Um, but it's just, it kind of, it kind of baffles me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think one of the reasons why I also, you know, uh, really clang to the Black Lives Matter piece is, is, is really because of, the uh, the the similarities in some ways you know the connections where why do we have to say black lives matter mm-hmm. we i you know i know black lives matter but why do we have to say it out loud why do we have to to do this and so because the actions aren't there right of course the actions are not there they think it's just saying it it's like that's that's it i did my i met a quota i've he, done it i've yeah, said it, it Move on. And but so yeah, yeah. we know there there's behind that, you know, a lot a lot of racism, right? There's no. there's a lot of oppression, discrimination against against black people. And same thing, oh. there there's targets on native people as well mm-hmm. and on the legislation and pieces of legislation that really uphold tribes, tribal sovereignty. And so mm-hmm. so that's that's still being attacked, that will continue to be attacked and and it's one of the reasons why I I, I work in this field too, yeah. you know, just so that um I can help yeah. and, and really hopefully um, not myself, of course, taking this on, but with others out there, with allies and advocates that, that we're all fighting in this fight to ensure that, you know, equity, tribal sovereignty, those things are upheld. Mm-hmm. So when, when you're talking about the Indian Child Welfare Act, I'm, I think in my head, it's one of those like questions like, yeah, you have to ask just to make sure all the other questions are covered. But it's like. Is there maybe like an asterisk of like if something happened to the parents of like, you know, because, you know, if if they were in a car accident, for example, and now they're now the kids on his own, 
is is will the cha- like, I'm just wondering like what happens to that kid in terms of just this act. Will he just mm-hmm. still be protected by going into the you know the aunts and uncles, for example, or is it just going to mm-hmm. be you know orphan route? That's where there's placement preferences yeah. within okay. Okay. Um, the Indian Child Welfare Act. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, the placement preferences, which each tribe has their own set of placement preferences. And so it could be the aunts and uncles, right? It mm-hmm. could be, you know, the, the direct tribal family member. You know? okay. It could be another okay. tribal family member as well. So it's yeah. all going to be different. Yeah. I think it was just like I knew it wasn't just like a straight up. The parents are healthy, but I still want to take her kid away from you. But I I just had to make sure that mm-hmm. if if something to that magnitude happened, then at least the, the child will have their their you know there's directions mm-hmm. that can be done. So okay, perfect. Whew. For just hearing you talk about this and how passionate you are, and hearing about and reading about you know your involvement, seeing it on social media, how do you keep yourself? You know, still like Adam work mode, Adam, like I'm going to play and be with friends mode. Or how do you just kind of keep that? Uh, the the magical word coming out of COVID is work life balance. Mm-hmm. How do you have that? I think that's why I'm on the water so much. <laughs> 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 I think that's where, yeah, dis- disconnecting from work is, is tough at times uh, because, yeah, I mean, it's you can't turn off being native or yeah, yeah you yeah. can't turn off you know not caring about native issues or whatnot and so your work specifically it's like if you were yeah. listening at best buy easily you can cut sure. that off <laughs> yeah sure yeah no i mean i mean i think this is where yeah just having some boundaries around your sense of professional um endeavors and um you know personally i just try not to yeah, just try not to blend the two. Try not to have that overlap, um, because also it's you need to have um, a, a a a good personal life uh, in a way where you don't get burnt out. Because yeah. I think that's where you have to look at the long long game, right? Yeah. In in making sure that um, you're not continuing to 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 I don't know. F- burn yourself out in some ways because i think that's in, usually in that's like field. the best term really you, you yeah. can use yeah yeah and, and so you know the work is always going to be there yeah tomorrow it's, it's always going to be there that email is going to be there you know I, I think it's just trying to be productive during, during the times that i have um and just try not to take it home because again yeah i don't want to stress out other people around me either <laughs> right you know and so i don't want that to to leak into my personal life and, yeah and so yeah yeah i mean uh, on a personal note, I mean, University of Michigan did win the national championship for football. <laughs> that's that's always a plus. So I mean, there's something that kind of helps you know separate those small things. Basically, is what I'm right. trying to say. It's like, oh my my college team just hired Dion Sanders as my head coach. <laughs> okay, I feel like I can find that buffer. Mm, the yeah. buffer can grow a little bit, definitely more and more here and there. There's something on here I want to ask you. I'm just trying to think of the smoothest way to do it, and that's. I'm just going to ask it, you know, your, your role as a, you know, you're still, this is kind of an ongoing thing for you in yeah. terms of being a community engagement specialist. Mm-hmm. What exactly does that mean? Well, I'm no longer a community engagement specialist. But when you did it, when it. I did do that, yeah. that was at the national Indian child welfare association. Okay. Yeah. So I've, when I moved here in 2011, that's when I started working in psychiatric residential care in oh. children's mental health. Yeah. And so I did that work, and um, that 
allowed me to to cut my teeth in in mental health care in direct service care mm. um, I also got a chance to build my network and and learn from tribes and to build tribal connections um, both like across the state as well as within this Portland area here fortunately that program had to shut its doors and that's where uh, I moved okay. to the National Indian Child Welfare Association and worked okay. as a community so engagement that's, specialist that's how it all lines up <laughs> yeah that's how it lines up and gotcha so um, that's how the timeline uh, works and yeah so when I became a community uh, development specialist, it was um, to uh, work with tribes in providing technical assistance or support mm-hmm. um, in their efforts to build a children's mental health system. Yeah. And so that's where I got a chance to work with folks at SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Service Administration, and, and work with tribes who had this grant called System of Care mm. and uh, got a chance to, yeah, to travel hmm. Work with tribes in like Alaska, Washington, uh, South Dakota, uh, Michigan, and Arizona, and so there was there was a lot of tribal grantees, and so that that engagement um, was with those tribes and those grantees, and basically provided support however I can, share my knowledge, share my mm-hmm. expertise in any way, and um, also help facilitate the process. Yeah, in a sense, we we didn't necessarily always go there to provide answers or the solutions, but to be able to help help the help tribes think through those things and help facilitate conversations around that. How do we how do we maybe provide some outside perspective? So that was the community engagement part. Gotcha. Uh, okay. And, and so that that's that was really that's how it outlined that um, yeah. that sort of action there. And then after that, that's when um, I heard about the tribal affairs director position where I currently, am currently am. now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At the Oregon Department of Human Services. Yeah. Because I think when I read that, it's like, I, I'm, I'm probably sure I brought it up in our first one, honestly. <laughs> um, but I, I was just kind of thinking like, oh, that must work in conjunction with what you're doing now. It's one of those like, I think in, in my magical world where I'm like, oh, my previous work can bleed over to my next work or some things I learned here can be applied here. This mm-hmm. would be great. I think that's where I was kind of making that random connection. Is is there any kind of like things you can take Definitely. from that? Okay. Definitely. You know, I I feel the things that I learned in that children's mental health facility um, was just seeing the experiences of tribal youth going through that, um, yeah. and also the what the impacts of tribal families, the needs of tribes uh, when it came to mental health, and I actually met a couple of. Uh, people back then who are now my coworkers. Hey. Right? Yeah, and so that's that's when I started to to kind of have that overlap. Okay. As well, and so, but I I feel yeah, it set me up to go into that job at the National Indian Child Welfare Association, and that position sort of set me up too to to work where I am now, mm-hmm. um, but much larger scale, and with with human service programs. Yeah. 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 And Adam, I. I want to keep talking to you, but again, we're in the snowstorm. The lights have flickered like at least twice now. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, got to make sure to uh, not have this drop out on me mid-sentence. But um, I I honestly, like, I think one thing that I will always take away from not just this experience, but mm-hmm. the last podcast episode and just, you know, the times we've just talked about as a, you know, casually, it's been like this guy – 
he is a engaging b he's very caring and c he's he's gonna be invested he's he's going to that's the like in the the if I were to describe you in three words those are the like the three words I would probably be the strongest for me it's like this he's he's gonna want to know everything from a to z and I think this you you've, you're in the the best position to to you know dig deeper on on that and um mm-hmm. i guess the last one of the last things i want to ask you is just like how how is your how have you been i guess just mentally with you know work and you know snow again we can mention because that's kind of the big thing right now yeah um how how has it been just you know keeping yourself in check and how do you you know make sure you're still doing okay or if you're not mm-hmm. doing okay how can you get back to you know being okay it's it's a lot of hard work. It's it's definitely takes some intentionality. Yeah. Um, in regards to maintaining your your balance, right? As as a as a native person, you know, having balance and harmony is is the the path to wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that occurs is being able to take care of your mental, right? Physical, yeah. spiritual, emotional selves, and so. You know, things that I've done is certainly tap into my my spiritual side by praying, right? That's that's something I often do daily. Um started to meditate quite a bit. Oh wow. As well. How's that yeah. going? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's coming along. Uh yeah. I I, st- I I need to I'm a beginner in that yeah. area. Um, you know, through a lot of their ceremonies too, back home, there's that same sort of like exercise of meditation mm-hmm. that 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 occurs. And so um and being a part of that, you know, I was able to 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 at least um, take part in some of that when I when I was back home in, mm-hmm. in December. So that definitely helps keep me going and and uh, you know motivated and, and focused, um, as well as you know helps fill my cup spiritually. Sure. And and, yeah. and um, you know I think the other things just yeah exercise, reading what I put in my body, you know. Like yeah. eating, drinking, those sort of things, all all matter as mm-hmm. well. But also connections and relationships, you know, I think are the biggest thing too. Is is how do I maintain those? Um, mm-hmm. How do I help others? You know, I think that's the big thing too. Because I mean, I'm sure you're like this as well. If you help someone, it just makes you feel better. Yeah. And so that's what yeah. I, you know, try to do as well. And you know, I think just being a good a good relative, right? As, as some people say in Indian country, you know, and and that that's either to you know your parents or your your family or your friends, you know, or um, those that maybe you don't know as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think um, it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah. I don't think of you as just. Adam Bacenti that works for the you know government of Oregon <laughs> and helps with the DNA and Native American people or indigenous people. I hope not. <laughs> I I mean I really do consider you like one of my brothers. So it's it's very same. Yeah. I really same. enjoy you know there's just conversation, just all our maybe it's just short text exchange, but it's like yeah. I always feel like okay, he's doing good. He's doing good, or he's doing <laughs> as good as he can be right now. So it's, yeah, on the surface it may look good, but it's always a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, last time, how I usually wrapped up the interviews, I don't know if you remember, it was asking two hypothetical questions. Yeah, I've swapped it out with asking three "Would you rather" questions. Okay, uh, because it just seems like it's a little easier. Sure, you know, it's it's not like it's uh, such a complicated answer. It, or probably a question that I okay. have to like, you know, think about it. And 
when I did my research on you, I did see that you did lose some, you had some, you know, you lost some weight, took some mm. photos. Um, first off, I guess I have to ask, would you rather have a third nipple or an extra toe? Mm. This is a great question, right? I mean, they're very in-depth. Probably, <laughs> probably an extra toe because hopefully that would make me run faster. That's right. true. Yeah. That's true. Yes. Speed. Speed. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, would you tra- Would you rather travel the world for free for a year or have $50,000 to spend however you please? Travel the world for free. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or a couple places you'd go. Uh, I would probably go. I haven't been to Europe. Ooh, yeah, I haven't been to Europe and, and also Africa. Oh, yeah, yeah, Madagascar or South Africa, Johannesburg, mm-hmm. yeah, the Sahara, yeah, it's, or even Egypt. Yeah, I'd love to go to Egypt. Um, one of our uh, former, former guests, David Rodriguez, I don't know if you two have actually met, but he went to Africa with a friend, mm-hmm. and only thing we thought about was like, uh, lion. Can you run faster than this guy? <laughs> and he's like, no, we didn't see anything. Everything yeah. was fine. But it was just one of those like, you know, you see it in movies all the time. You're like, oh, there's, there's going to be lines everywhere. Right, right. But, um, yeah, but I think that'll be super fun. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be pretty cool. Uh, okay, so this might appeal to the, uh, the helper in you. Mm-hmm. So would you rather solve world hunger or global warming? Probably hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think after that, you know, hopefully folks would then realize, well, we have more issues to solve, which they would yeah. then take on global warming. Now, let's see. <laughs> One helps the other. Yes. <laughs> Adam, where can the people find you on social media? Uh, Bicenti Sun, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no uh, X or Twitter. Sorry, I'm trying to do the hand motions. Um, I'm on Twitter too. Yeah, Bicenti yeah. Sun. So I don't tweet that much. So. Yeah. I'm still shout you out. I'll still yeah. give that to you. Yeah. So uh, you're now officially part of the two timer club for the Keanu Chats podcast. How do you feel, sir? I feel honored. Yeah, <laughs> it's an honor to to hear more of my story or a repeat. Maybe <laughs> I mean, there might be some overlaps, but that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I mean, for a while, I try not to have people on twice or trying to make right. at least wa- wash through all, as many people as I can before revisiting. But then once that door started opening up, I was yeah. like, eh. I know Adam has a very interesting story and I know Adam's, fr- I guess from you know, what you tell us, tell me what you tell you know, the world through social media. I'm like, he's done some stuff. He's done some stuff in the last two years. I want to know more about it. So yeah. thank you for also yeah, again, being flexible and of course fighting, yeah. New times, braving weather. We did it, though. We did it, yeah. We crossed the finish line. (laughs) Thank you so much to the guests for coming on to the show and sharing a part of your story. And thank you to you, the listener, watcher, uh, however you intook this podcast episode. Uh, There are a ton of podcasts out there. I'm not going to deny that. uh, That also talk about the same things I talk about. So for you to uh, dedicate some of your t- day, night, whenever, to listening to uh, the guest story, that means a ton to me. It means a ton to them. Uh, and so I, I can't say thank you enough to, to you, the listeners. So again, just a reminder, all episodes are available on all podcast platforms, and they are back on YouTube. So you can follow the show on social media by looking up at KC Media 13 on Instagram and Twitter, and then or X, and then at Conluke Media on Facebook. 
And then if you are interested in becoming a guest for the show, uh, email me at kcmedia13 at yahoo.com. And then just tell me uh, a bit of your story, what we would meet, and just so I can get some preliminaries and uh, really just get something scheduled. Because I, I, you know, having a podcast episode, that's something that I find giving that chance to people means a lot to me. And um, I want to give that to, to anyone that's interested. So until the next episode, everyone, please take care.